In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Imagine walking around creation with those lucky first few. God made nothing into something, and it is very good. That's your line, by the way. Very good. Look around. Squint at the sun governing the blue sky day. God gave us the sun, and it fuels the earth. Enjoy the giant oak unfurling emerald leaves in the wispy clouds. The sun powers every cell in that tree, letting it draw water from deep underground. Try burrowing through the soil where you can see roots dancing with life-giving loam. This is the charity of sunshine and plants, and God says they are very good. Feel the rich, dark soil tickling your toes, cushioning your feet. This is dry land, and God says, this is very good. Listen. Can you hear the sweet water gurgling past mossy stones? Follow the stream as it splashes over a waterfall into a bubbly blue lake. Cup your hands for a refreshing drink. Dive into the lake be soothed as the water glides over your skin, head to toe. Open your eyes and watch beaver and otters and fish and lily pads and bugs frolic amid watery sunbeams. Swim across the lake. Rest on a smooth, sun-warmed rock and trace the river that carries this sweet water to the ocean. Smell the salty sea breeze. Glimpse the shoals of fish gorging on the river mouth's nutrient buffet. Watch the dolphins and the whales chomp the small fry. This is water and life, and God says this is very good. Take a deep breath. Taste the crystal air as it runs across your tongue, the oxygen in that air that you just breathed, without which you could not live comes from forests and billions of tiny ocean plants whose breath created our atmosphere. And so wide-eyed and speechless with gratitude, we remember that we belong to each other, to all creation, and to God. That's what I'd like to focus on with you this morning. We belong to each other, to all creation, and to God. I'd like to consider this truth through the story of St. Francis of Assisi, ecology's patron saint, my personal favorite saint. You probably know him for his love of nature, hence today's blessing of the animals. And I want to tell you, as a sidebar, I was walking through Piedmont Park yesterday, and I saw a guy, and I'm not making this up, carrying a 12-foot 12 12 python on his shoulder, and the snake was just you know, like sticking his tongue out and sniffing the air. And next to him, he was walking with a very small dog on a leash. And I had so many questions about how that house <laughs> maintained a peaceable kingdom. I didn't ask, but apparently it worked. And God blesses that snake, and I hope that snake didn't come to Ellis Hall this morning. But I want to tell you about my favorite saint, St. Francis. Indeed, he knew that we are part of something vast and glorious. Born in 1182 to a wealthy merchant's family, 
Francis dressed in the finest cloth. He ate high on the hog and traveled on his father's dime. He even went, to, so, he went far from Assisi when their supply lines came under threat. But on his way home from battle, he returned by a different path. Perhaps guided by chance and perhaps by God's still small voice, he did not take the high road which he knew with its luxurious accommodations. He traveled the back way, and he met people begging for food, shelter, medicine, and clothes. He got proximate to them. He hadn't met them before because he was living in the palace. And by the time he returned to the stucco and the silk and the steamed delicacies of the family estate, the luxury had lost its luster. He noticed the fine linens, he smelled the roast meat, and he watched the servants scurry. And something changed inside of him after he had come home from war. Francis bolted up to the storage room, and he flung open the windows onto Assisi's central square. And as the afternoon sun beamed, he began hurling priceless cloth out the window, painting the sky with rich colors. People came from all around to share in the jubilee. Even the bishop, you couldn't miss it, the bishop came for the spectacle. And when his wealthy father saw his cloth fortune now held in the hands of the poor, he was furious. And so Francis found himself in the central square, facing a raging father and a pile of silk and a bewildered bishop. Francis' father, the story goes, disowned him on the spot. And in response, Francis took off his fine robe and stood cold and nearly naked in the piazza. He told the bishop, who functioned like the mayor, I came into this world with nothing, and I go to God with nothing. And so I give the rest of my life to serving the poor and the sick. Now the bishop found himself in a bit of a pickle. He's facing a family feud with surely one of his biggest donors, and a guy who's doing what he thought Jesus was calling him to do. And so the bishop nevertheless wrapped Francis in his own cloak, took him under his own wing, and offered to help him start a religious order. And thus began the Franciscan order that continues to this day, with monks and in some cases nuns known for their love of the poor and the sick, their first and for a time only rule was to follow the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and to walk in his footsteps. We can do that too. We can delve into the scriptures as the Franciscans do every day, and it can shape our life. This morning's gospel text has something beautiful and powerful to say. Katie's sermon at 8 o'clock and also at 5.30 dwelled on this notion of lightness. It really spoke to me. Jesus says, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And she reflected on, and I want to reflect with you on, this notion of lightness. I don't know about you, but I have been carrying a sense of heaviness these past few years. The notion of a heaviness that won't go away after a long night's sleep or a vacation. It's, there's a heaviness around us that's been in the, in the zeitgeist for a while you know? And the lightness that Jesus is describing, I think, is the notion of changing our priorities, reorienting our lives, reorienting where we put our time and our money and our values, so that it's not on the things that the world promises will satisfy, but actually on the things that God promises will satisfy. 
you might think about it as cheap thrills as compared to deep satisfaction. And what is it that Jesus is promising deep satisfaction over and against cheap thrills? It's the abundant life that he describes in John's gospel, a life defined by self-emptying for the sake of the world, a kind of love that does not compute in a ledger, a rational way of calculating cost and benefit. A sense of giving oneself away for the sake of the other because that is where true life and true joy is found. That is where the lightness that God describes can be found. And I think that our animals can help us do that. They're so in the moment. They're so full of love. I know Kirk has two dogs which bring him incredible joy. I have two dogs who bring me incredible joy. And the parable of the dogs that I want to bring to you this morning is that it does not matter what happened five minutes ago. I don't know if they forget it or if they're in the moment or their brains can't compute, but what happens that they are so focused on loving you here and now. It's like it teaches me about the power and the joy of letting go and being present in the moment and just having an exuberant joy and love of life. Herbie wags his tail so hard that when he's really excited, instead of doing this, it's like a circle wag. And he kind of wags his hips a little bit, and he just gets so energized. And then they chase the cats, and they play, and I realize there's a sense of lightness and joy that they are teaching me. And so if you're an animal lover, I hope you can sort of let your animals teach you. And if you don't have animals at home, I hope that you can let the splendor of creation teach you and form you. In deep ways, St. Francis found Jesus as he prayed in the splendor of natural beauty. He saw planet Earth, our island home, as a mirror of God's glory. I love his canticle, whose paraphrase we sang as our opening hymn. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voices, let us sing, Alleluia, Alleluia. Notice the way that creation becomes family. Brother sun, sister moon, and even gentle death. Francis asks us to become little and humble, And that word comes from the same word, humus, hummus, soil. And thus, microbes and dolphins and mockingbirds and bears become our planetary cousins. Stardust plus time equals us, and we all shall return to the dust. As Dr. King said, we are all caught in this inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny, and this is the interrelated structure of reality. All you have to do is look at these amazing images coming from the Webb telescope and realize that there are at least 5,000 planets which are in the band of temperature that might be able to support life all across the universe. We find great hope in this mystery and truth. It rejects as heresy the notion that any person or tribe or nation would ever come first. It calls us to look on the world with Christ's eyes of compassion. And so when someone asks you what this sermon was about, you could say, that's a great question. Just tell them we need each other right now. All life on earth depends on all life on earth. We know that's the case every time we take a breath and drink clean water or eat a chunk of universe. Without the plants and animals and soil and water around us, we would quickly die. So we are called to protect this fragile, wounded earth, our island home. But let me go deeper with you, because creation can nourish us back. Maybe that's why Francis saw creation as family, 
He saw God's glory on display, and he wanted us to see it too. And so in these polarizing times, God's work for each of us is to be our best selves. There can be no enemies, even if we disagree, because we are all family. We depend on each other. We are one. So I invite you to tend to your heart, especially in the heat of political fury coming our way in the election season. Go for a walk someplace beautiful with someone who you know is going to vote differently. Listen to a waterfall. Watch a monarch fly to Mexico. Read about the birds that fly from Alaska to New Zealand without eating, drinking, or sleeping for nine days straight. Smell the roses. Snuggle your creatures. And imagine that you might really could be the person your dog thinks you are. And then, called to your best self, called to our best selves, might we be reminded that God created the world vast and glorious, beautiful and stunning and majestic and mysterious, and so very good, so that we can come home and do our part to make the world more loving and just, march and work and vote and register people to vote. So with Francis, we can see ourselves not as self-maximizing robot machines going for that cheap thrill, battling for hopeless victory in a zero-sum game, but as strands woven together beautifully into the web of creation, united, bonded, known and loved, seeking the deep satisfaction the abundant life, the sense of lightness that God promises for us. God loves you and me so much that God trusts us to live well together. May it be so. Amen.